I have to tell the people about the Patreon. Yes, you do. Patreon.com slash SMDB. SMDB, like so many damn books. For just a dollar, you can join up and you get access to all the exclusive content that I record just for the Patreon. Also, you get to join the book club. The So Many Damn Books book club. It's been some of the best conversations I've had about books. It really always sounds like a blast. I usually like come home and just hear like giggles coming from the library. So it's a great time. You should join. And I would love to have more people join the fray. You may or may not know that Christopher runs this whole show himself on the hosting side, on the technical side, everything. This is a one-man show, truly. He does it all. Support your boy Christopher. Even at the dollar level really helps. So uh, join up patreon.com slash smdb i'd love to have you patreon.com slash smdb on with the show wow (laughs) but truer words my man truer words so many so many so many damn books it's just so strange to think about the first time that we did this. Yeah. Versus where we are now. Yeah. And uh and it's just so different. It's like everything is different. You and I are both married. <laughs> I know we weren't when we started this. I mean I was thinking about this the other day. I think when we did our test episodes, I had not even started dating Danny yet. No, I don't think so either. And also, I mean, when we did our test episodes, we didn't even have individual microphones. We had a a (laughs) little... spaceship microphone that i actually found while we were moving and i was like i don't need this at all but i am going to keep it for now uh and nostalgia baby yeah it's it was a nostalgia keep for sure because i had i didn't even realize i still had it <laughs> but we had put that microphone in between us and mm-hmm. recorded and uh that's just it's just funny was that in your little apartment that it was cool my little apartment yeah, it was that neat little studio that had in the there was it was a studio that had a separate kitchen. Yeah, like down a pretty long down hallway. a hallway, and in that hallway there was a built-in bookshelf. Yeah, which I loved for so, yeah, that was a great ah uh, that place, you know the places of our lives. What a great <laughs> what a great apartment that was. I threw a Christmas party there that fit like fifteen people in that tiny spot. <laughs> the magic of those weird studio not studios yeah that was a great place i loved it there Mm. yeah and we recorded that first episode there and then we pretty quickly moved into we actually recorded in our friend's home studio for a while yeah like the first 10 episodes or so 15 even maybe yeah and then we moved into we're creating our own space and using our own yeah yeah. If if we're we're feeling nostalgic because, you know, or I am because you're leaving me, Drew. You're you're leaving my our airwaves. It's true. Much like much like Bilbo Baggins. Uh 
did he leave his radio show <laughs> for the Shire? I, I hate to tell you this. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> this is the episode where I tell you I still haven't read Lord of the Rings. Listen, this is um, <laughs> it's a, a pretty major plot point that two-thirds of the way through The Return of the King, Bilbo is like, folks, I'm going off the air. <laughs> it's right before he's like, you know what? It makes the most sense for me to stop before we are in the eye of Sauron, before we head towards Mountain Doom. Well, look, I, listen, okay? I feel like I'm going to spoil the whole book for you, but it's because he's like, he gives one inspiring speech and then runs out of the studio all the way to Mordor. And it's like, wow. it's a very emotional scene. All that shit in the movie with the Eagles. Yeah. Peter Jackson made that up. That's crazy. Radio Bilbo shows up. <laughs> all we hear is <laughs> Radio Bilbo. Brain Sauron with an SM58. And that's the end of the movie. Uh, I, you know, I, that's one of those things where the creative license really like takes <laughs> away from what the real book was about. And that was about free radio airwaves. Yeah, man. Pirate radio. Woo! <laughs> that's what podcasting has been from the very beginning. <laughs> yeah, it's all a Tolkien reference. <laughs> we, <laughs> we were <laughs> two J.R.R. Tolkien super fans. <laughs> podcast. Bet you all didn't know that. Um, but yes, it's true. Here we are, episode 175. And I was thinking about like, I don't know, like reading the thing I wrote to our patrons. And I was like, that's dumb. That's, <laughs> no, that's also is. special for them. Only That is special for them. Read your farewell note. But I mean, you, you and I have been engaged in this conversation for... Well, we've been engaged in this conversation since, as we were just discussing, August 2014 or thereabouts. Mm-hmm. Um, but this discussion for the, the better part of the last year, and it's, you know, talk about sort of that once in a lifetime, how did I get here? Mm-hmm. And it is, I, I mean, I never imagined I would be here and any almost any actual iteration of here for that is true. For example, for this, when I met you, you were a professed lifelong Manhattanite. Manhattanite! You would never never move to Brooklyn. Nope. Then I met a woman. Jesus. (laughs) My dad, when I was little... um, I'm allergic to tomatoes, as I think maybe I've talked. Maybe I've never talked about that. No, on no, we show. did. We did. When I uh, accidentally made a Bloody Mary. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and my dad used to be like, someday, some girl's going to get you to eat tomato sauce. Because we didn't know I was allergic back then. Everybody just thought I was picky. And there were a couple of other things that he would say that about, like mushrooms, a couple of other things. None of those fucking came true. But in my head, I like looking back now, I can just insert, it's sort of like a dub where my dad is like, someday, some girl's gonna right. make you move to Brooklyn, you know? <laughs> sure enough. And I was like, nah, I'll be in Manhattan until I die. That was, that was, when I met you, that was what you would say to people. No, I live in the goddamn Catskills. Mm-hmm. 
That's not even Brooklyn. No, that's pretty far away from New York, actually. Yeah. Still in the state. It is. Um, I, I, this past weekend, I had to describe to somebody, they were like, can you try to put sort of like your town into context of boroughs? And okay. I was like, okay, A, I hate this exercise. But also, B, I have an answer prepared. Beacon is like Williamsburg circa 2012. Okay. Hudson. A glorious time. Uh-huh. Hudson is like Williamsburg circa 2008. Okay. Kingston is Bushwick circa 2007. That's so inside baseball. For oh, me. yeah. It just <laughs> half of our listeners were just like, all right, I'll listen to the next episode. <laughs> I forgot what they were talking about. I don't care anymore. I I no, I, I, I understand what you mean though. You are, you know, oh just for you know, 14 years behind. And that's fine. Yeah, exactly. In in <laughs> you ways... moved backwards in time. <laughs> you moved away from the me, and now you're moving away from the show. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, you know, there's, energy is a, is a weird thing. And I never thought really that this is what would happen. Um, but that feeling of, of needing to put my energy elsewhere and then feeling bad about, about, Weirdly feeling bad about not being the person who I used to be, I think, is, is one way to think about it. Yeah. In, in a sense of like, I, I, I miss my old self sometimes, but I know that he's not coming back. Sure. And, oh, it, you know, the, I, it's, I feel like every episode we've recorded for the last couple of months i've been on the verge of tears at the end of every single episode hey i understand i feel the same i feel the same way i've known this was coming of course but i didn't know exactly how to prepare so i just kept thinking about like okay just sort of scheduling scheduling was the only way i could prepare yeah i feel that too and it it you know, like we talked about the timeline mm-hmm. a couple months ago. And then it was all this, it was like the beginning of December. And we were both like, oh, that all, oh, okay. Yeah. So it's here so that's now. All, that's all happened. Yeah. So, you know, let's still do what the thing, what, what, what we do, what the people come to us do for. Do what the people paid for. Yeah. Yeah. What, what they, their data plans are counting <laughs> this month. Let's give them their, you know, 26 megabytes worth or whatever it is. I don't know. It might be bigger. <laughs> I, uh, I, I made a cocktail for, and so we're recording this like, a, a, like five days before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And so I'm deep in, christmas cocktail land but i also know that one thing that's true about you is you love a manhattan um it's one of your favorite drinks and so and i thought i would christmasize 
a Manhattan. Ooh. So of course it's a whiskey base, but I found this really interesting um, Gerstacker glue wine, which is um, I'm sorry. Did you say glue wine? Glue. Glug. It's like um. Oh, uh, like like uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. it's a mold wine. It's sweet. It's very um. It's very spiced. And there's actually a brand that has um released it as you know something you can just buy. But it's something that uh, Germany Christmas markets are a total cultural phenomenon. I've heard. And cool. what everybody drinks there is this mold wine that's very alcoholic, and um, and there was a this Gerstacker fan family has bottled some, and of course you could just serve this hot. Uh-huh. I'm using it in place of the vermouth. Ooh! So it's got this very fun sort of Christmas spice at the bottom of it, and then I'm using a little bit of the um the brandied cherry juice. Mm-hmm. Some simple syrup, Angostura bitters, and of course a brandied cherry. Very, very traditional in that respect. Oh yeah, but it is a, a delicious drink. I wish we were sharing it, but oh my God, that's another big change. We, we, we were, we were steadfastly against recording in any sort of remote <laughs> fashion. Do you remember we turned down a couple of like pretty cool interviews because we were like. Nah, that can't gotta come. come to us. So that's crazy. It breaks my heart too that we aren't doing this in person, which is something that I think both of us were subtly in our in the ba- in the back of my mind anyway, thinking about like, uh, this feels important. I'd like to do that. Yeah. And for all uh, plenty of things ca- like scheduling in general came up, and then a goddamn new variant. Yeah. In a way that it's like, well, okay. I guess that's I guess the answer to that question. Yeah. But I will say I think that this is a good time to say that you are although you are leaving the day-to-day of the show, that doesn't mean that you won't be back sometime in the future. I do oh, yeah. think that we will get this, you know, return of Drew send-off in person. Yeah. Where we actually get to hang out. And I might even make you this drink again because one, I don't think I'm going to finish this glue wine. <laughs> Such an enormous <laughs> bottle. Um, it's delicious on its own, but I've been making it into the drink and it's just like the slowest way to go through something like this. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, I feel like I could probably make this for you in person when I do see you because it's it's <laughs> delicious. And um, this isn't actually my idea. It was something that was on the... Um, the tag aster place and they said to call it Ooh. like just flip that and then you can call it the miracle on 34th street and you know i love that that really like an icicle straight to my christmas heart um, <laughs> in a nice way uh, and uh so uh this is the miracle on 34th street and i raise it to you sir cheers buddy what are you drinking what's what's in your glass one of my favorite beers in the whole world, the name of which I thought was fitting for tonight for a number of reasons, uh, Single Cut Brewery's Softly Spoken Magic Spells. I like that a lot. With, you know, it's just, a, it's, a, it's a pretty straightforward double IPA. I don't like that as much. And but... for whatever reason, I know. It's, um, 
you know, it's one of these hazy things that doesn't have as much of the bite. It's just, you know. That's what I know of IPAs is they're sharp. Yeah. See, I, well, I also think that the hop profiles in general, maybe not your bag, but like a hazy IPA doesn't really, I've become that guy. God damn it. <laughs> Fuck. You live long enough. No, 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 no. Listen, listen. Let me buy you a drink, okay? Ugh. Try it first. <laughs> I did buy a bottle from Astro Wines. In fact, I had it shipped to me because it was still, with shipping, $40 cheaper than anywhere up here. The Nick Offerman 11-year-old Lagavulin whiskey. Ooh. I almost poured some of that for this. How um, is it? It's really good. It's finished in a Guinness cask. Oh, that's weird. You should get it, my man. It is like it's got that like Lagavulin like smoky peaty intensity, but with this like almost chocolatey thing. That's uh, definitely the Guinness. Mm. It's um, it's neat, and it's got a big fucking caricature of Nick Offerman on it. And I was like, must be nice. <laughs> Yeah, I wish uh, some sitcom writers would give me a character trait that I could uh, <laughs> that I could parlay. parlay. <laughs> Unbelievable! Unbelievable! You well, know? wow, you know, some people are lucky, I guess. That's and look at that guy, very lucky. Publishing whatever books he likes, reading some Mark that- Twain, and 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 they're all I've I haven't actually read one cover to cover but I have picked one up and read a couple chapters and he's a fantastic writer. And that's like part of my annoyance with him now. Like, <laughs> Nick. Yeah. And I call him Nick in my head. Of course. Nick, Nicholas. <laughs> Listeners write in. If you also do this, do you call famous people and not even necessarily like famous, famous people, but like sometimes by their first name in I just don't. casual conversation. I don't mostly. I like this. Well, mostly cause I, I'm saying full names. Sure. Do you do do you do it when you're talking about authors? I feel like I have started to do this about authors sometimes, particularly where it's an author who like you haven't just started to do this, Drew. You've done this since the beginning of the show. (laughs) The one of the very first episodes we have is you calling. Oh my god, is this a clip show? Is this a 1990s sitcom clip show? And we'll run it now. No, it's (laughs) it's it's you calling Stephen King Uncle Stevie. Uncle Stevie. Yeah. I still do that just for fun. My actual uncle was like, did I not know about something? And I was like, oh boy. No, I'm... I probably need to stop doing that now. <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> so anyway, that was the drink. Uh, yeah. And now, the next thing that we usually do is an old-fashioned... What did you buy? Fuck me, what did I buy? Shit. Oh, <laughs> I did actually buy something. It's not a Christmas present. I, okay. It's been really hard working at a bookstore not to buy something Every time I'm in the bookstore, because I'm like, oh, I could, you know, I could yeah. look at that. Uh, <laughs> and I, I have a, I have an employee discount. Yeah, it's <laughs> might, as, might as well. It's, you know, I'm doing them a favor. 
Um, <laughs> it is it, the the tournament of books shortlist came out. Indeed, it did. Many books that I was already conversant in. There's one that it was also on the New York Times top ten list, and I've heard wild things about it. And I was like, I need I need to get on this. I think, and uh, because it was from New York Review of Books been very difficult to find. Um, Benjamin Labatut's When We Cease to Understand the World, mm. translated by Adrian Nathan West. And uh, I, I will admit this wild thing. I didn't buy it at my bookstore. Oh. I bought it from another bookstore because my bookstore, I was filling orders for people and it was like, woof. It, the the going on the nyrb website they were like yeah we don't know when we're going to get it back in stock we were not expecting to be one of the new york times top 10 books of the year mm. um also, what a like i you know a little bit about this too just like starting to understand the uh the ins and outs of what some might call the supply chain but yeah as specifically applies to books I, I think that anybody who got surprised by a surprise hit this this season got, you know, screwed a little because mm -hmm. there just wasn't the infrastructure to then turn around and print another 5,000 of something, which is incredibly sad. Um, but I don't think, you know, I think they're going to be all right. Oh, yeah. Um, I also, I kind of hadn't realized that NYRB has been like publishing new fiction as well. And they kind of have like a different design vibe. And it's, I thought that's, I think that's cool. It's all weird stuff too. Right. Joshua Cohen has some novel that's like imagining something about his family and the Netanyahu's or something. I don't know. Crazy. Crazy. Would you, you buy anything? I didn't buy anything because I'm trying, I've been good and not buying. God damn books. it, Christopher. <laughs> now Danny's going to be like, Christopher did it. <laughs> but I did get sent um, this new book by Hernan Diaz called yeah. Trust. And it's very cool because it came in an actual, um, you know, an actual presentation, which is very rare for stuff that we get sent. Usually we get something in an envelope and it's very sweet of anybody to send any physical, physical books right now. But this came in an actual like, it had like little crinkly papers in it uh -huh. and it had this fold out thing because it's a novel in a novel in a novel where this novel oh, cool. is about this like rags to riches story, but it's like that narrative is contested by the narrative of the book. Oh, so you're going to be reading like letters and other memoirs and someone else's novel that a about what really happened and so cool yeah this is a and this is one of these they're clearly like excited about it because uh -huh. it comes out in may wow of 2022 so this is something to pre-order if that sounds interesting to you it's about a it, the it's all set in the 20s and 30s which is also interesting or at least the like novel that forms the center of it is uh-huh and so I, I heard about how incredible this is. Hernan Diaz is, of course, very celebrated for his last novel. A lot of people really loved it. And I haven't read it, but I am excited about this. And I love 
to actually be, you know, sent the real thing. Although it does make me think as I'm looking at this, but also thinking about like those publishing meme accounts, like um, Publishers Brunch and (laughs) where they're talking about bonuses this year and mm-hmm. what bonuses at what level and i'm thinking about you know what did it cost to give this new very buzzy book a fun package yeah and and, and who doesn't get a bonus because of it um and you know it's it's weird to look at the ledger that way but it's something that it's it's important to think about as we move into 2022 equitable pay scale is important yeah. It's funny. We, um, earlier today, the day that we're recording this, not the day that you're listening to it. That's mm-hmm. how time works. Um, we were, te- we were texting <laughs> about yeah, the, um, we were texting about a negative review of a very buzzy early 2022 book that was published recently online that I'm sure will have been discoursed to hell and back by the time people listen to this. Yes. There was a paragraph um, that I loved. Honestly, I loved the reviewer's honesty where the publisher was like, sorry, digital only galleys. And the reviewer was like, so why did I see on this celebrity's Instagram that they got a physical galley? Like, fuck off. And there is, I feel like a, a, uh, a backlash is a brewing to exactly that. The like, you spent how much money on the fancy galleys in order to like try to get some views on TikTok and Instagram? And it is exciting. It is exciting. That's that's yeah. To discount the practice um, because it's so fun when you get the thing and it's full of stuff and you're like, oh wow! Or you yeah. see the TikTokers and they're like, it's a cocktail. It's a Venetian mask. It's all this. <laughs> and like, and you're just like, ah you know it's cool you want to be part of it yeah so i i understand how it all happens um and ultimately just excited about reading this book and hernan diaz i mean it should be said these authors don't ask for this they don't like they're not like i demand our (laughs) packaging you know it's something that the publisher decides um and it's just interesting what they choose and what they don't yeah I listen, regardless of what you think about trust, can't wait for you to read in the distance. Yeah. I, I feel like it's I, I gotta I gotta actually read both of these books because he he seems very exciting. And a lot of people that we love are saying that it's fantastic. Yeah. It's the end of the year. In addition to, in in addition to being uh, other ends. Yes. It's the end of the year. How's your reading year been? It's been a weird year. You know, it's funny. Something that I don't think a lot of people think about this show is we read every book we feature. Every single book. <laughs> and all the way through, if we have someone on the show, we read their whole novel. Yep. And if we have, if they tell us to read a book, we read that whole book. And so I've, I've, I'm at around um, 80 books or so for the year of 2021. And that means that at least 48 or so, you know, 45 
42 because we don't always feature a book for the episodes that right, just right. us. Let's, let's say 40, like over at least half, if not more of my reading has been for the show. Wow. And I, I think that that is, you know, for, for some readers, that's like more than they read in a year. For some other people, you know, they read more than that. It's not a big deal. But it is a lot of work. And I think that I understand as you're heading out that there's just this, there will be a nice sort of yoke lifted off your shoulders of things that, <laughs> you know, we read. And I love reading what the people that come on the show tell us oh, to yeah. read because what I love more than books is talking about books. Um, mm-hmm. And so talking about the book that someone else wanted me to read is one of the absolute joys, but it just means that I've read mostly for the show this year. Hang on. Okay. But also for, are you counting work reading? I'm not, I'm not uh-huh. counting work reading. Uh-huh. I have read, I've read an inordinate amount for work. And there's also books that I read for the show that we didn't even feature. <laughs> yeah. Because of other reasons. Right. So, so yeah, I read for a lot for work. I, I let, read a lot for the show. Very little of the things that I read this year were just because purely I just wanted to read it. And I will say that maybe because of that, I don't know, but my favorite reads this year were rereads. Oh, yeah? I absolutely loved, after we had Ruth Ozeki on the show and she was so proud Mm -hmm. of A Tale for the Time Being's audiobook, I listened to her read that and it was absolutely fantastic and it had this extra just frisson of something else because I knew that she loved doing it. Yeah, that's cool. I, I, of course I'm imagining, I'm like, I'm co-imagining this, but (laughs) as I'm listening, I'm just like, she loved that. That was great. Yeah. My my dear friend, Ruth, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Uh Uh, And so there was that. I also re re reread special topics of in calamity physics by Marisha Pessel. Oh, wow. Listen to that. And again, a fantastic book to reread. It, it was just a oh really my God. exciting the, audiobook. How's the ending done? It's pretty normal. I pretty guess, uh, to be fair, I guess if you just read that, like if you read it a lot, it would actually translate. Mm-hmm. And probably pack a pretty decent emotional wallop. It, it did. It did. At the end, the, what's the last line? Like take all the time you need or something like that? Something like that. Yeah. Did it you, was really um, nice. Side note about that book. You're, you have a physical copy. Did yeah. you take the test? I didn't take it when I first read it. I didn't take it now. You took it. I, I did. I think it's, it's one of the few books on my shelf that I have put, put some marks actually in. Pencil to paper. Because <laughs> I'm not a fucking monster. I don't... <laughs> Um, Hold on. <laughs> That's crazy. I love that. What, that I did it or that I did it in pencil? That you did it in pencil. That you did it and did it in pencil. is It's so you. Oh, uh, well. To be fair, <laughs> I don't think I... Um, I do think I considered, like, writing an essay. And then yeah. at, I, like... I don't, I don't think I did it on the page. But I think I, like, sat down at my computer and, like, wrote a couple of sentences. And then I was like, wait a second. What am I doing? <laughs> yeah, literally no one cares. And so. <laughs> so, 
So I, I, I had the weirdest reading year, I feel like. I feel like that's a strange reading year for me. And I actually feel like because it's been such a weird reading year, I'm, I'm getting the chance to sort of reboot my reading habits and mm. rethink how I read books for 2022. And, um, and that's exciting. So, I like that. So it's not, it really isn't a numbers game. It really isn't. I don't care yeah. that about how many books I read in 2021. What I do care about is just looking back and thinking that like, I wish I'd done some more self choice and, and mixing up. And it just was a fact of, I was weirdly busy um, with work reading, I guess. Yeah. So what about you? How was your reading this year? I mean, it's funny. I went more or less cold turkey off of Goodreads at like the end of June. Mm -hmm. And I've still been on here and there, like particularly for new books, like 2022 books or buzzy books that have just come out where I feel like, oh, writing a review is actually, you know, as people often say, helpful, like the, helpful. the helpful thing. Um, but then in September, I started, I don't know if I've even told you this. I started, I started doing this. I started writing down and just tracking what I read in a notebook. Um, and that too has helped me like step back from the sort of good year, good reads, annual reading challenge kind of like numbers game of it. I would guess that I am probably uh, on pace for what I have done the last two years, which is just north of 200. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it, it's funny the like, this is a year that there were certainly plenty of 2021 books that I read and loved. But I think that some of my best reading experiences were either one of them is a galley for next year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, and a couple of the others are older books that like authors who I have spent a little bit of time with, but who have now like I read something that made me go, oh, and it made me want to like really dive into their catalog. And I, that in and of itself is a like, it's been a minute, I think, since that has happened. Mm -hmm. um, it was, it, this year was Brian Evanson. I read Last Days, which I think I mentioned. Well, I mentioned the Evanson set on our last episode. Yeah. I read Last Days and it was like the, um, I think it was the, Me the Memorex guy where he's like blown back in the chair mm -hmm. uh, listening to his records or whatever. It was that. I was just like, Whoa! And that book is 15 years old. Uh -huh. um, and then I've been reading Octavia Butler's Patternist series. And that too, it's just like absolutely transfixed in a way that it's one, it's like I will think about 2021 in terms of reading four of those five the four in print of those five books in that series because it felt it like felt very tangible mm. um I'm trying to think if i did any good rereads this year i think i did there's something <laughs> that i reread that i liked but who knows what it was 
Let me ask you a question, Drew. Yeah. As someone who has read 200 books in a year for a few years now. Yeah. I... Well, let me preface this by saying that you are the most generous reader that I've ever met in my life. <laughs> and it is I, it has informed my own reading. It is informed how this show is put together. You give authors all of this you you give them as much line as they've asked for and it's something that i admire it's something that i've wanted to emulate because with that philosophy in mind you have gotten to take some incredible journeys with writers that i don't think that everybody would take because you really <laughs> don't don't let someone trying something wild turn you off from it you were just like how did you get there let's let's get there together in some way but i've wondered if that is partially because you read 200 books a year that you feel like mm. this doesn't have to be a significant experience for my life this doesn't necessarily have to be the best book i've ever read because i'm gonna read another one tomorrow you know yeah I, and i and i wonder how it, it, do you feel like that's an unspoken um, strength of reading quite a bit is that every book doesn't have to be this home run, hits, ticks all the boxes, hits all the bases? Yeah. It's funny. I would not have anticipated that this will be the moment on the show that I cry. <laughs> but it's probably going to be, um, first of all, because that was a very nice thing you said. Second of all, um, it's, it, it's funny, I guess, that this is a, a topic of conversation for us and that it's coming up now and that it's something that I have been talking about in therapy a lot recently. Um, and like, of course, also now in, in my head, I can hear my therapist being like, is it surprising? And I'm like, <laughs> No, now that you mention it. Um, I, I recently sort of came to a realization it, it, that the details of, of the path are not important. But the realization was that the, um, when I think of sort of the like, not the happiest place necessarily, but the safest place, it is for me uh my childhood bedroom and the it's probably like mid-autumn and sergeant peppers is on my cd player and i am reading a book and the most important factor of that is reading a book like reading a um part of the reason that i have always read so much is that it reading is the thing that that um that I do to feel safe and that I, that I do when I need to, when, when the world is overwhelming uh, and, and at, you know, at 33 years old, the things that I started doing more or less unintentionally, like I certainly didn't start reading so much with any kind of purpose when I was a kid but it helped me make sense of the world and it helped me make sense of uh, 
a house, a town, a, a life that sometimes when, you know, I was an early teenager, certainly, but even a little bit before that, like, I didn't understand it. I wanted order. I wanted um, logic or whatever. I'm uh, just like the Virgo thing and stories, even the wildest, weirdest stories have how you can find some structure in them. And, you know, for a while, like certainly in the, the early days, pre-show of Raging Biblioholism, um, I definitely like tried to, you know, hone my critical knife sometimes and really be like, you fucked up, you didn't do this thing well, gotcha. And I remember, um, Isaac Fitzgerald, when he started BuzzFeed Books and was like, we're not going to do negative reviews. And you and I even talked about this because we knew each other by the time of being like, that seems crazy. Sometimes it's important to be like, to engage with something and recognize that it didn't work and sort of talk about the, the why and the wherefore. And I think that at some point, all of this sort of came together in this sense of, um, Nobody gets it right every time. In fact, most people get it wrong most of the time. And there's something to be said for the effort. And it, you know, it's, you and I have, have done a pretty decent job, you far more than me, of keeping this show a positive place where we don't, you know, we don't shit on books that we didn't like. Or if we didn't like something, we talk about it like, it didn't work for me. Mm -hmm. And I think that that, honestly, the, the, the venue to talk about books and to talk about books with a mind that I admire so much has helped me do that where I can, yeah, you're right. I can read something and be like, this isn't working. Okay. She's dead. So I can say this. Octavia Butler, the third book in the Patternist series, Clay's Ark fascinating idea it's a like 24 hours there's a, a disease breaking out in 2020 of all fucking things God. yeah it, I, and it was written in like the early 80s or something i remember just being like whoa um for a for a book that has sort of that propulsive plot it is slow not a lot happens mm. it could have probably been a novella in terms of just like to get to the meat of the thing. Mm -hmm. And as I was reading it, I was like, I don't really like this. I don't think this is actually that good. I'm not enjoying myself. And also there are seeds of the parable books in it, like a bunch of things that she just like offhandedly mentions. And you're like, oh, here's a writer trying out this thing that they're going to do later. And I think, you know, that that kind of critical reading that could not be taught in schools because of the ways in which the educational industrial complex is fucked up in this country comes from reading books and talking about them with your friends and talking about them with, with people who are willing to engage, even if they don't like something that you love to en engage with it. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, there, there is a sense. I also put books down more often now, which is a thing. That's mm -hmm. a new thing. But it, it comes from, you know, that's another change that I think I can point to 
this show. And more than this show, the thing that I am very grateful that will go on beyond this show for me is being able to talk to you about books. Yeah, forever. I mean, you've made me a better reader. You've made me a better person too. Um, but I like that, there's something very fundamental about that. That's like, I can pick something up and read it and just, just keep going. Um, Cause I guess I'm like, I'm the Joan Didion tote bag. You know what I mean? Like we tell ourselves stories in order to live. <laughs> and we do, we do. We do. Oh. Oh boy. Yeah. When I've been talking with some of the people that make up my council um, <laughs> about you leaving, they're like, oh, are you going to get another co-host? I'm just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and part of it is because of this, this thing in particular, is that you, uh, you'll go along. And even if something doesn't work for you, you still will work to get to why it why it could work for somebody else and i just think that that's the most important thing because ultimately at the bottom of all of this about at the bottom of every book is someone was sitting down with an idea that they had and followed it to the end of thousands and thousands of words yeah isn't that incredible it's crazy it's crazy. Like, it's such a crazy thing to do. And I love that we get to do it like at this like big, huge macro level. Yeah. I mean, some of, honestly, some of that comes from learning how to convince you to, like, <laughs> pit, to pitch a book to you and be like, I, here, listen, go with me on this. I think you'll like, there's a dog in it. You know what I mean? That is sort of the magic word. <laughs> a minute a dog <laughs> what kind of dog what kind of dog does it die <laughs> does, does it talk <laughs> uh i love that we went we last guest we had on had a had a very important dog in the book that was just a very very nice bookends a um a faithful listener of the show reached out to me and was like that episode was so great. I don't really like horror, but you guys really sold me on that book. I'm going to go get it. And I was like, I have, I need to reiterate because I think I know your reading tastes well enough. It's, it's not great with the dog. <laughs> well, okay. The Eugene Lim, different experience oh, right. than the Cus Marino. We've had two dog books. We've had two long. dog books recently. Admittedly, things, things go a little bit better with Eugene Lim's dog, but it's not it's not great in a different way. Yeah, it's so strange. It's not great in a um an Elon Musk kind of way. Oh god. Oh god, he's here now. <laughs> Mr. Musk, I love Dogecoin. <laughs> Please, uh, sir. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> one more question here before we head off um uh -huh. into our normal segment is did we fulfill your goals did you did you have a goal with this show that we that you wanted to have and now we did it 
I, 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 I paused because <laughs> I knew that if I answered immediately, we would both laugh. Um, but I, I, I want, I want it to land. Uh, no, we did because didn't. no, we yeah we sorry we didn't achieve the goal. <laughs> um, no, I had no goal for this because because I think the the doing in and of itself was enough. I I vividly still remember being at Botanica for the after party for the TOB party. And we had those Andrew Womack masks. Oh yeah. And I was like, I, I had been up for like three days out of the last four. I like had, I was, I had just gotten, I had gotten off a plane and gone to work and the whole thing. But I remember sitting there and being like kind of drunk, high on life talking to you about books, talking to you about doing a podcast. And everything that happened after that, I just remember being like, this is, this is the thing. You know, that sense of like, every, every time we've been asked by friends, by listeners, <laughs> by other interviewers, check us out in O-Reader magazine. Um, <laughs> You know, like, what are, what are the highlights? What are the lowlights? What are the things, you know? And, like, we have both given great answers to those questions. But I think that the answer that I have never given, maybe because I was holding it out until now or just because um, it's too personal of an answer to give to some stranger who's interviewing you, is that the... I, I guess another way to think about it is like I achieved whatever goal I might have had for this when we sat down and recorded our first test episode. Yeah. And the fact that, that we've gone on and done so much more since then is icing on the cake, man. <laughs> it, is, it is the great, great, great honor of my life to be your friend and to have done this with you. It really <sighs> is. Drew, I feel the same way. <laughs> you know, it's all, it's fucking, you know what? It's not icing on the cake because too much icing on the cake is bad. It's, just it's cake. the cake. It's the cake <laughs> with the right cake. amount of icing. Yeah. It's the Good best crumb. piece of cake. Yeah. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> no soggy bottoms. <laughs> Yeah, you know. So and I can't help but try to levitate, add some levity. I can't. I mean, me too. Both of us are sitting over here looking at each other on this computer screen, being like, "I know it'd be, Ugh. it'd be harder, it'd be harder to do this in person." In some ways, I'm pleased that we don't have it <laughs> you because know it wouldn't be. It's very true. It wouldn't be listenable. <sighs> Next up is recommendations. That's the next thing that happens in a normal episode of So Many Damn Books. That is the next thing that happens. We read some critical 
I can start because I'm not going to talk about a book. <laughs> I'm not either, but you start. Go for it. Yeah, I'm not talking about a book. Like I've been saying, I haven't been reading or or the books I've been reading haven't been published yet. Um, but I have been watching this television show that makes me want to get into a new trade. And that is Blown Away. It's on Netflix and it's about glass blowers. It's a glass glo- blowing competition show. I don't really care about the competition element except for they all get a brief at the beginning of the episode that's just like, go make something inspired by this brief. And then they go off and they, like, the last episode that we watched, they just had to make a decanter and a glass. Wow. So interesting and so much fun just learning about glass blowing techniques. And these people have their own, you know, getting really into glass blowing. Those types of people, of course, have a very particular sort of personality. <laughs> and, you know, there's also some fun little, like, this is the, what, what the tools are that they're using, what the um, techniques are that they're employing. Uh, so there's a little bit of educational element. But ultimately, it's just crazy to see people, like, manipulating molten glass. It's very exciting. Yeah. Have you ever been up to Corning in Ithaca? No. And that is the, um, that's the, one of the prizes. They get money and oh. they get a residency at the Corning Museum. Of oh, man. <laughs> yeah. So I haven't been, but I've heard the name every episode because they <laughs> talk about the prize. Um, that is, I mean, Ithaca is, as they say, gorgeous. Uh, but, uh, but. you should go sometime yeah it's, i want to i want to. it's so cool because like being right there as they're like here's this lump of molten glass and two minutes later it's some like beautiful intricate thing and you're just like i've been looking at classes i've been looking at like <gasps> some beginner class they're just so expensive and it makes sense there's so much energy to get like these <laughs> yeah. ovens so hot but i'm just like for a passing fancy is this too expensive listen for for a for a, an activity inspired by a television show a competition television <laughs> show flip side this could this could be your next chapter <laughs> you know <laughs> it's a terrible way to go into something that's so such high expectations that it well, to be yeah that's fair but yeah i uh, i've been loving it and um it there is actually cr- christmas episodes which were really fun nice um which is also how i actually started watching bake off i watched the christmas episodes first as you do I, honestly i think i did too it's a very good entryway it's an excellent entryway what about you? What do you recommend to the people? Um, all right. I won't break with tradition. I will recommend a book. It's the new Sarah Grand book, Book of the Most Precious Substance. Um, you read it before me and you were like, yo, you got to get on it. <laughs> and I had it and I just was like, I was waiting, honestly, for an opportunity to like really just like read it through because I had that feeling and then you confirmed that that was the way to do it. Yeah, you got to read it fast. What a trip. I mean, it's a, it like, it's so Sarah Graham. Yes. You know, uh, 
like deeply philosophical in some ways, kind of spooky in other ways, and also totally surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, let the, just discovering what the title of the novel means on a couple of different levels. Ooh, baby. Can't wait for you all to get to it. It reminds me of um, learning what tipping the velvet means in Sarah, in Sarah Waters' <laughs> book. Uh-huh. Where it's just like, oh, cool, you named your book that. That's neat. Yeah. I like, I like that. Yeah. Um, I definitely, I was, Danny and I were sitting across from each other on the couch in front of the fireplace reading. And I was like, you want to know what the most precious substance is? <laughs> and she was like, based on your tone of voice, I don't think I do. <laughs> Um, uh. and okay two other things okay one is um is sort of is a is a philosophical thing okay about keeping track of your reading and it is it's the end of the year everybody's looking at their goodreads or whatever the fuck and it's just like i i feel so happy to have this huge notebook that each page is just like each page is a month and will be for as long as I want to keep doing it. And it's like, it's very satisfying to finish a book, sit down and like write the name of, inscribe the name of the book into the, Mm. it doesn't have to be that, whatever it is, it's just like a little more intentionality and a little more personality in, in, you know, make it analog. Um, And then the last thing is, if you have a friend who wants to do a cool thing, fucking do it. <laughs> Cause it's, there's only an upside, you know? Yeah. Go do it. Whatever, whatever the crazy thing is. If you're the friend who has the crazy idea, go for it. Cause at some point your friend will come to you with a crazy, like the world needs more. Yeah. Friends making things together. Yeah. It reaps the best rewards. Mm. All right then, Master Gandalf. (laughs) I'm off. (laughs) I will say to the listeners, um, I will be continuing on, as I've alluded. Uh, Drew will sometimes come back, and I will still be interviewing writers and other people, maybe friends of mine, who knows, I don't exactly know the path that the show will take. And I'm very excited about that. And if you want to come along, you can, of course, follow follow us on all of the normal. It's going to stay being called So Many Damn Books. It'll be the same show. It'll just be a little different. And we're a lot different. I can't wait to listen to it, man. It (laughs) It is so hard to listen to it now. Oh. And I can't, I can't wait to join everyone in the listener lounge. You know? As the editor of this show, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> <sighs> I get to cut out some of the embarrassing things that happen, but I don't get to cut them all out. Some of them need to stay in. Some of them need got to keep accountability, man. You know? <sighs> well, they need to all make sense. <laughs> <laughs> Too many damn goofs. Do you remember how many laser sounds I used to have in here? That was all because I was trying to cover up (laughs) clubs, weird 
edits and I was like, that's stupid. Oh, I remember it, there was a conversation. It was like, at some, there was some episode. I don't remember which one it was. So don't go try to find it. But I remember afterwards you were like, what do you think of the most recent episode? And I was like, I hate to say this. It's probably too many lasers. <laughs> and, and you were like, we were sitting together like at a bar somewhere and you were like, oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, look, don't get me wrong. I love the lasers. And you were like, no, I knew as I was doing it, I didn't know what else to do. So many lasers. <laughs> look, there's been challenges sometimes. <laughs> Every uh, laser had a had a meaning. If, <laughs> every laser <laughs> has a meaning. Oh. I'm not even gonna do the normal goodbye. I'm just gonna tell people that we'll see them on the other side, or I will, and you'll see them soon, someday. Like the ghost of Christmas something. Yes. And we hope that you have a great start to 2020. Too. Yes, indeed. Have a great, have a great beginning to the year. That's the most important thing. Whatever you do at the beginning of the year, we hope it shatters the illusions that you had before mm-hmm. and revealed a full new vista. We will be raising glass to you. Yes, as we always do. And a glass to you, Drew. Cheers. A glass to you, Christopher. Thanks for everything. I love you, buddy. Love you too. Ha <laughs> ha.